Hello and welcome in for a very special episode of This Esports Life, episode 10. We've made it 10 episodes in. We've kind of skipped a couple of weeks that we weren't supposed to skip and just did it every other week. Um, and that's made the episodes more juicy, but obviously less frequent. But we've done, we've got to 10. You know, this is a celebration. It's pretty good. It's the biggest commitment I've ever had online with one series, I think, at this point. So that's a good thing. And we plan to keep it going. Only, only liking this more and more as we go along. I think they're also getting better and better. And by the views on YouTube, you might have a different idea of the episodes. I mean, if you really looked at, you know, the fact that episode 6 had 1.8k views, and then episode 7 had 2k views, and then episode 8 had 948 views, and the last episode, episode 9, had 682 views. I mean, it's, uh, I, I don't, I don't, I hope that pattern doesn't continue to follow. For some reason, YouTube's algorithm absolutely hates us right now, and I know I'm very confident, no, views aside, I'm very confident that every episode has been better than the last. The last episode was the best one that we've done. And I think it's just because the videos are probably a little bit too long and stuff like that. So what we're gonna do instead is upload episode 10 in two parts on YouTube. If you wanna watch the whole thing, the links for watching or listening to them, the audio versions, the way that they're kind of like intended to be mostly consumed, intended to uh, be consumed most on, you can use those links and then you won't have to watch a video piece. But I'm feeling like people are actually getting unsubscribed at this point or our goal, as we, as we mentioned in one of the earlier episodes, is get to 100,000 subs. And uh, when I said that, I think we were at 80,000 subs. And now we are at 79,500 subs. So we've we've bled out 500 subs on our, on our, on our quest to get to, eight, to 100K. So uh, the channel is officially on fire. It's hard to say exactly why. But the YouTube game is a little sketchy right now. And I try not to get salty about st- that stuff. I try to always roll with the punches, you know, do what I need to do to play the game the way it was meant to be played and not just complain about the way things are. But I just don't know what, uh, what exactly is happening with the, with the uploads. Um, but what we're going to try is to just cut the videos in half. So episode 10 will be in two parts. It'll be a little bit shorter each one. And then if you want to watch it, uh, just uh, kind of un. un- are all stitched together. You can just listen to the uh, the podcast on uh, different apps, and it's actually on Spotify now. We got accepted on a Spotify, which is awesome because I use Spotify all the time. I don't use Apple Music or anything like that, so I personally would be I'm, I'm stoked. You know, you could actually listen to this on your Google Home or um, anything anything like that. I think it, I think it's really great that we're on Spotify now. It's it's super cool, and um, they accept a lot of stuff. It's not that exclusive, but it feels cool. So. I'm happy to do that, uh, but not only that, this this episode we have a, a sponsor. We have a sponsor, and um, a, a sponsor is confident in the content that we've been making, and I definitely see why. Uh, it's actually Massdrop has decided to sponsor this esports life. I got a new pair of AKG K7XXs. These are these are my Massdrop. They're a very affordable headphone. I believe they're going for about 200 bucks right now. And they uh, they sound great. So I want to talk about these headphones just a little bit. There's not going to be a no sponsors tag at the end of the at the end of this video, which I think is a really good thing actually. And as soon as they reached out to me, I was like, "That's awesome!" Like you know, you guys know I use a lot of stuff like uh, audio file level headphones and stuff like that. And these are the cans that I was rocking before the DT990 Pros. I got these headphones because not only did I hear they were comfortable, but they had like a really high bass response. Um, which is great for listening to the music I listen to, which is a lot of hip hop. Um, for headphones uh, that 
that are uh, are closed back. I use direct monitoring and I have the closed back headphones. These AKGs are similar, but a little bit lighter, a little bit brighter in sound, better mids, and uh, the bass response is a little bit lower. But if you're gonna have one pair of headphones, like if I was gonna have one pair of headphones only, and I was gonna try to be a professional player, for example, I would use these headphones because these headphones have, because if you have higher bass response, it's gonna be harder to hear footsteps in Counter-Strike, for example. You actually don't want a high bass response. That's why uh, we have headphones like the Game Zeros that have basically none, um, and, and Sennheiser realizes this with their gaming headset. So not only are these great for listening to music, but they work really well for games as well. But thank you to Masteroff for sending these over to me to try them. I've actually had them plugged in for the last two weeks. I haven't switched back uh, even once. You can check the stream bots for proof. And in terms of all day comfort, they are very, very comfortable. So you can see they have this uh, this leather, leather strap on the top that's kind of suspended here underneath uh, underneath this plastic and it's it's it helps reduce the amount of strain on the top of your head when you put it on which means that it's very comfortable to wear all day you kind of it's pretty obvious that this would be very comfortable because this part of of the headphone is not resting on your head so really great cans great price I think for the price they're probably the best headphone best headphones I've gotten for the price 200 bucks really good um, and I'm even using these over my HD600s. So would you look at that? I think uh, one of the great things is when you get to this level, I feel like you're not, you're almost splitting hairs with some of the different headphones you can try, and it's really just about what flavor you like. And um, you know, maybe overall uh, HD600s can beat these out, but they uh, have a lower lower ohm, so they're easier to drive. Uh, the comfort's probably a little bit better, and uh, and they've got a different sound, and they sound great. They sound great. All your music will sound great on these headphones. So that's a that's our sponsor. Um, and also, we made a shirt that went on that's on store.boxer.gg. It is a floral. It's a sorry. Uh, it's a it's a tropical design by Dusa. We collaborated with him and we dropped the the one thing yesterday, and it is almost sold out as as our stuff normally is. Um, I didn't want to just make a video and a short video and just throw it up on the channel, um, but I realized that some people would have liked to have been alerted. Um, unfortunately, I didn't do that. Next time, there will be way more notice. This was kind of like a smaller release, just one thing, but it turned out really well and uh, love how it looks and it's super comfortable and everything like that. So, you know, uh, very proud to have made it. Okay, and that's it for that. That intro, that very long intro. Let's get into the video. Let's get into the let's get into the vot in the podcast. We've got a bunch of great questions this week. I'm going to basically kick it off, and it's all on Twitter, guys. So next week, if you need it, if you have a question for me, um, I will put a tweet up. You can always DM me and say, you know, for this esports light episode 11, can I get this question in? Boom, boom, boom. Here's a question, and uh, just specify if you want your name to be in it or not, and I'll try to get to it in the next video. So uh, we're gonna go basically somewhat in chronological order. It's sort of sorted so that you have the Counter-Strike questions, um, the merch slash video slash my work questions, and then some philosophical questions are all grouped up. I think we're gonna start with a little bit of the uh, philosophical questions, I guess. Scrawny, Scrawny CG on Twitter, my my wonderful co-caster Scrawny. He asked, how important is self-confidence and at what point does that confidence 
become arrogance? Such a good question. Very fine line to ride. Uh, a lot of people would have this question in their daily life and, um, and for good reason. I think if someone appears to be too confident, then people might look at them as being arrogant. And you find with people who are really good athletes, superstars, best Counter-Strike player you know, they're going to come off as arrogant because that's like, that's, that's kind of the, it's not the right that they earned, but it's part of the reason they got to where they are. You know, they believe they're the best, you know, they believe they have what it takes. And then they take that confidence, they put it in the server. And when they come out and someone asks them if they're the best, they say yes. And they sound like an asshole, but is, is that really arrogance? Is that just self-confidence? I think, um, I think, I, I, I don't know, I don't know how, how philosophical we can get about this, but I, I definitely want to address the feeling of when you talk to somebody who appears to be self-confident versus when you talk to someone who appears to be arrogant. And I'd say that, um, uh, I, I'd say that, you know, self-confidence is, is definitely security. And if you truly have self-confidence, I think you will find you don't need to kind of express all the time uh, to everybody exactly what you're good at and what uh, what you should have credit for, right? If you really are that confident, it shouldn't really bug you to hear other people getting credit or uh, to hear that somebody thinks somebody else is better than you. It really shouldn't matter to you, right? If you're that self-confident. Um, and I think sometimes with arrogance, you are either, you either blindly believe that, you know, you deserve the attention of everybody or you deserve the credit from everybody or you feel like you can say things that other people can't feel or can't say like I'm the best and uh, anything else like that. Uh, and uh, I, I think that once you cross the line between the feeling that you have of being the best and outwardly needing to shut down or change the minds of others to prove that you're the best, I think that's when it becomes arrogant. Um, but I also believe that you have a, a kind of an, an area in which you can be self-confident and almost pretend to be arrogant, right? Just kind of embrace the fact that people know you're good and that you feel confident in yourself. And, 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 and honestly, just kind of add some flavor to it because there's a lot of people who are confident players who are kind of boring. And that's, you know, that's fine. You know, they want to master their craft, be great at their craft, and that's it. You know, that's it for them. That's perfectly fine. You know, that's a great way to be, you know, you were raised right for sure. But with, you know, if you kind of pretend to be a little bit arrogant, throwing a little bit of shit talk for fun, uh, I, I think that's, then you can still be confident, still kind of pretend you're arrogant, not necessarily be arrogant. Um, and I think the only time you really, that becomes like you lose sight of yourself is if you ever, if you'd lose without if you don't lose gracefully right so if you're you know let's say it's like the let's say conor mcgregor mayweather fight right um a lot of people would say that conor mcgregor was arrogant i think that it's not actually that easy to say that he was without a doubt 100 percent being arrogant because you know that a huge part of what he was doing was for the show you know as soon as the fight's over they're they're friends they have there's mutual respect across the board they're on the mic saying you know and Mayweather had some words about the way the fight was fought and you know how that he was getting taken punches to the back of the head and stuff like that but 
in general, once the fight's done, it's no longer like the pre-show. It's no longer like the world shit talk tour, right? It's, uh, it's okay, fight's done. Uh, congratulations to the winner, you know? And then you wonder, well, how serious was Conor McGregor about everything? Was he doing it just to get in their head? Was he, you know, just trying to sell the show? And it, that's why I don't think it's exactly clear on the outside, to the outside, who... Um, who is truly arrogant, but I think it might be fair to say if he uh, if he continued to keep up what you would consider shit talk after the after the game, you know, once the game's done, that's where all the showmanship and stuff has to has to be left. Like that's it, you know. That's when the fight you can't sell any more tickets to that fight. And I think um, same goes for any kind of sport or esport or anything. And that's and that's when you can kind of show that you know how to do your job. That you are also confident, but you are not arrogant. So uh, I think that's very important. Now he still might be an arrogant person, but um, I think just just recognizing when your job is over shows some humility, some humility, if anything, and um, still shows that you at least are confident. A little bit long-winded, but yeah, that was the first question. Uh, we have a follow-up question from from Dust at Follow Dust. To add, how do you manufacture confidence in the in the face of hate and backlash? Also, maybe talk about building a personal brand. Um, another actually big question. So, to add, how do you manufacture confidence in the face of hate and backlash? I th- wouldn't, you know, manufacture is not a great word. I I would say manufacture is not a great word um, in this context because, or in the context of confidence, because I think there is there is definitely the argument that you could fake it till you make it, but I don't think that you you need to view being in the face of hate and backlash as a fight, right? It doesn't have to be a battle. You, if someone's truly confident and everybody's hating on them, eventually it wears away at that person until um, they figure out you know exactly why it is people hate them and if they never figure it out you know it just might eat at them forever and they might pretend to be confident forever but it's going to eat away at them eat away at them eat away at them i personally think that you know you you with hate and backlash you kind of want to you kind of want to take it like you would take a punch like not to bring up the the more boxing analogies but you don't you know you don't close your eyes when you take a punch and you don't lean into it right you, you keep your eyes open and you you fall back with the punch, right? You you ride with it, so it it hurts less. And I think that, you know, if I don't think it's about manufacturing confidence so much as just simply having confidence in what you. If as long as you stand behind what you said, um, or whatever the whatever it was, and just kind of being there, just existing there. And if someone comes at you with some hate or a negative comment or something nasty. Just kind of roll with it, you know, maybe acknowledge that it exists, but don't let it affect you one way or the other. Don't let it seem like it affects you one way or the other. And maybe that's where fake it till it makes it comes in play. Like if, you know, if someone calls me ugly or something, I think the worst thing would be uh, is to say, well, what do you look like? You know, like that's that's the either the game they want to play or it just shows that you're a little bit touchy in that area. Right. I mean, you don't want to assume that. So I. Uh, and, and the funny part is, if you don't assume that people hate you, I think you'll find that people will like you more. You know, I think sometimes people try to try to figure out if you're likable, whether they know it or not. I think they try to figure out if you're likable by kind of throwing something like that at you and seeing how you respond. So uh, dealing, being able to deal with that stuff, 
whether it's really really directed at you or just some kind of test, I think says a lot, and um, it, it can kind of change the opinions of whether um, whether someone likes you or not. The other day in the pug uh, in a pug, um, some or like a couple of months ago in a pug, someone was like, uh, "Hey, launders, why do you uh, why do you always say woo or uh, make noises when you're casting uh, during like crazy moments?" Like, and then I heard him like laughing on his mic, like he was in Teamspeak or something, talking to his friend. So they're like, okay, so this is probably guy's like probably made fun of my casting in the past, and then uh, and uh, and he's like. He's like asking me this question to see how I respond, right? If I get defensive or whatever. And this is not something that I feel super touchy about because it's something I've like kind of changed or worked on. I just in general, I feel pretty confident about my casting. So I'm, I'm like, okay with this. So from there, I can kind of have a clear mind and just think like, how do I make this funny? As you should almost always try to do. How do I make this lighthearted? How do I make this funny? How do I show it doesn't matter that much? How do I have fun with this guy? How do I not? How do I not make it seem like I don't like this guy or that we're fighting? You know? How do I just make it just seem like it's just like a conversation with a guy who's just like, you know, I, who I didn't realize, who I didn't just realize was talking to his friend, and I was like, oh, it's because I'm the Migos of casting, right? Because I have so many ad libs when I cast, and then he laughed, and it's just like a, a chill thing, and it's like when I heard that, you know, a really small part of me is like, oh, damn, no, that's. It sucks that somebody listened to that and they didn't like it or they, you know, I know because they said that that they were maybe talking shit about me in the past or whatever, but it's not a big deal. It's not over. No, the person doesn't actually hate you. There's no way they, they actually hate you. And I'm sure I, I pretty much won him back just by making a small joke about it, you know, being self-aware. Um, and I think, you know, that's where you kind of just want to just kind of be, right? You just want to, you just want to be, uh, and be ready to be fluid. Don't be ready. Don't be ready in the sense of you've been fucking laying brick for four years, and then you have this giant wall up in front of you that's impenetrable because that's not going to allow anybody to like you. If you're going to be a, a public facing personality, that's not going to allow anyone to like you. You've got to be, you've got to put yourself out there every day. And you've got to be fluid. You've got to be quick, and uh, you've got to be, um, you've got to be confident enough to not assume that people don't like you because that in itself is not a very likable quality and it might question some might make someone question why they like you in the first place you don't want to have to deal with that and dazzle go he asked how do you do your hair i actually so bowl cuts i have a bowl cut right now basically just like shake it forward and then there's no product in my hair right now um I try not to use product. If I go out, I might use some. I've got a sea salt spray and a little bit of wax that I use. But for the most part, just shampoo uh, once every couple weeks, conditioner every day, and uh, product when I go out. But basically just shake it up. And I, I'll let the fact, like let, let my natural hair grease add texture. And you have hair grease because you by um, not shampooing too often. You shampoo too often, you're not gonna have anything, any grease in your hair to give it texture. And if your hair gets too greasy when you don't shampoo, that's because you've been too used to shampooing a lot. So your hair goes into overdrive when as soon as you don't have shampoo in your hair, and that's why it gets super greasy. So you've gotta let your body get used to it a little bit. At overpass train, serious question. How the fuck is your skin so clean? Serious answer, genetics. You know, in high school, I had pimples all over my face. I still have like uh, 
uh, little like acne scars or whatever. I don't know if it's acne or pimples, but I had a lot, like a lot, very greasy skin. I think that people who had very oily skin uh, actually have a better chance of having good skin later on in life because the skin like takes care of you or the oil takes care of your skin, but it definitely gives you a lot of pimples when you're going through puberty. So I don't know. Uh, it's pretty much just genetics. I definitely didn't have nice looking skin in high school, but um, between the zits, it was, it was clean, I guess. <laughs> it was nice. Uh, at Arcane XR6, how do you script your CSGO tutorials, like the Stewie Playmaking one or the Swag Crosshair one? Also, what is your process in making these videos? Love you, smiley face. Okay, so how do you, do you script, oh, do you script your CSGO tutorial videos? Yes, all these videos are scripted, 100%, um, and the main goal is to make him sound like they're not, so if it's not totally obvious, I think that's a pretty good sign. But it should be, you should be able to kind of tell, I think no matter what, that there is a script there, but yeah, we, I, I, we script them for a number, I script them for a number of reasons. I mean, I think that if with the best script possible, you wouldn't be able to tell. Um, and that's been a process of learning. Your first script is going to be obvious because it's not going to sound like you. But now I write in like launderisms into the script so that when I'm reading it, it doesn't sound so much like a script. It sounds like I just did it off the cuff, which makes it a little bit more natural sounding. But that's something that you learn to do. Um, the process of making these videos for me is basically I will run through like 15 demos of a player or a team and then I'll find a round that I really like or I'll have a round in my head that I go back and look at. And then when I take the, I'll take the demo, watch every POV in that round. Or if it's one player, a POV, I'll do three rounds like Stewie, um, Stewie's Amazing Playmaking. I took three rounds and this is why I crosshair. I think I took three, maybe four rounds, but um, I'll try to make a three because that's a good number. Swag was like the first good one. So I don't think I was there yet, but um, three is a good number always. Uh, and then I'll take three rounds from one person or one round from a whole team. So we have multiple POVs to go through. So Nathan has lots of different angles and stuff like that. I'll write the script and every single line of the script, I'll think of something that Nathan can use to edit when he edits the video to add as a shot like an angle to take the shot from what i'm trying to uh portray with what i'm saying so there's like you know and 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 now i'm trying to write scripts so that if i write a line i'll be like okay uh and uh device here from camera is opping towards t connector and you could see that this angle cuts off and you can see how this angle really helps him out Right, so I'll say that without being specific about what I'm talking about, and that gives Nathan something to show in the video. You know, I'll say, "Oh, uh, 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 I think I, I can't remember what player it was. It was Rain in the in the um, last train video we did that played at ECS. He was rapping back hell um, on train outside, and I was like, in all of these spots are angles that get compromised. And then you know, Nathan can actually show with visuals what spots those are." So it's kind of like trying to alley-oop your editor before the fact, before actually seeing the video get done is kind of one of the newer things that I'm trying to incorporate more. Um, but I'll write through the script, think about what Nathan can say in the script, and then we'll annotate the script in a Google Doc and say like, here's what you want to edit, here's what you want to add. This is what I was thinking with this shot, but you can do what you want. Um, you know, this is what we're going for in the total video. And then when I'm done the script, the script will be about a page or a little bit longer. And then... I'll uh, I'll record it in Audacity. I'll do I'll break it up, break up the paragraphs into one or two lines. 
so that I can nail every single line. And sometimes I can do a paragraph at a time. Some days it's a little bit harder to nail it. My inflection's not there or I keep losing track of my thought when I'm reading through it. So instead I'll, um, I'll try to break it up as much as possible and then save it all in Audacity, hand it over to Nathan, go over the script with Nathan, say this is what we want, this is what I was thinking, this is what I meant by this annotation. Here's the demo page, here's the HLTV page, here's some uh, thoughts about what, what um, extra stuff you could throw in to fill a video, and then Nathan will take the video, um, he'll, he'll literally work on the shits for like, you know, 40, 50 hours or whatever, and then we'll, that's it, we'll turn out the video and it'll be done. So that's kind of the process right now. It's a pretty, pretty hectic process, but we're getting pretty good at it. At Tom Biz, what would you say was your defining moment in esports so far? And who would you say you owe the most to when it comes to your success? Also, thank you guys for the questions. I want to make sure I thank everybody for these questions. They're really good. Um, what would you, Tom Biz says, what would you say was your defining moment in esports so far? And who would you say you owe the most to when it comes to your success, other than your dope self, of course? Um, I think that <clears throat> I've had a couple of small defining moments in esports that I really thought were awesome. Um, as you guys know, I have this uh, Dark Souls 3 tattoo, and that's from uh, the cover of a Game Informer magazine. The issue was about the release of Dark Souls 3, and the reason I got this tattoo was because at the time I had an interview in the Game Informer uh, magazine, and uh, it was like a two-page two spread with an interview about the Adderall thing, where I did an interview with Semphis back in the day. He said, Cloud9, we're all doing Adderall at, I think it was, it might have been Cologne a couple of years ago, uh, or it might have been Cologne, um, and... Then I went to play Dark Souls a couple years later. It's like, whoa. Or I went to play Dark Souls like that same year, I think. And I loved Dark Souls. And then um, I actually walked into like a game spot or some game stop in Toronto with my friends. And I was like, hey, I think I'm in that Game Informer uh, magazine. And I like opened it and there was, you know, a picture of me, this a whole big interview from me. And it was the first time I was like standing with my real life friends. And I was like, wow, you know, this is a cool, this is the first cool, most surreal kind of like esports experience for me where it's two worlds have clashed. You know, I've really shown that I've done stuff in esports, um, even though that interview was kind of a fluke. And, uh, and you know, my real life friends get to like see it for real. So that was really cool. Um, apart from that, there was going to DreamHack Austin, the first DreamHack event I did. And then halfway through the event, having Mark Winter uh, from DreamHack asked me to cast, asked me and Joey to cast uh, DreamHack Tour, the European minor, uh, in 2015. Uh, that was 2015, 2016. Super sick. Like that was the first time I went to Europe, and it was like one of four events in a row. And that was like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like. I'm appreciated, like I get to travel. I'm just blown away by the fact still that people want to buy me plane tickets, let alone pay me day rate, like pick me up from the airport, put me in really nice hotels, like all this shit's just blowing my mind. And uh, that was, uh, and now like sending me to Europe, you know, so I'm like, there's probably European castles that could do it, but they're sending me like that, that was super cool. So that was a big one. Um, Another defining moment. 
just yeah going to france is actually huge there's a there's a few cool ones overall though i feel like i haven't had a big a big enough one yet like i'm not as not exactly where i want to be yet i haven't turned the corner in terms of blowing up and that's what i really want to do um so i still have like high expectations for myself and i think i know i recognize that a lot of people would love to be in my position and i'm really grateful for that and i um i definitely you know live a good life and uh i've got a lot to be thankful for so i always try to remember that um i think i've always said that luck is something i don't like believe in necessarily because I've taken, I've kind of like visualized what I was going to do and I executed it. Now I am where I am and I always knew it and I always take, take credit for it. Um, and that's definitely true. But I also didn't choose where I was born. I didn't choose to have like, you know, I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't, wasn't involved in the process of picking my mom, who's been amazing. I didn't get to, you know, be born in a first world country. Like I didn't get to choose to be born in a first world country. Um, you know, especially as nice as Canada, you know, it's just like, a lot of things and, and even though we grew up extremely poor and had to work our way out of it uh you know a lot of that was my mom doing that and so i definitely you know feel happy and lucky to in that sense and i should i should remember to feel happy and lucky in that sense so sometimes i lose sight of that um but still looking forward to uh blowing up and doing a lot more for sure um and what would you say you owe the most to when it comes to your success? So Sadokist, obviously, you know, for putting me up, uh, putting me out there, giving me my first opportunity to cast a land, and then that getting me my job at Sivo as a caster, and then from there being able to cast uh, the MLG minor. You know, that's all because basically Sadokist put me in front of a, a bigger stream, and I wouldn't have had that chance otherwise. Uh, I definitely got to thank my whole team. Like Nathan, um, he just takes care of everything he's like does our website he's gonna be editing this video to put it up he's edited all of my all the videos i'd say are a bigger success oh another defining moment i would say for me is upload making the this the amazing play um Stu's amazing decision making video that was that's my opinion the best video we ever made it's you got it, i got to show really in-depth analysis i did it in pov format about a player that i know uh, Nathan's video editing was on point and it was really amazing and it's got hundreds of thousands of views like 600,000 uh, it, it was on the front page or it might have been the swag video it was on the front page of our all um, not even just my front page on reddit um, it was just it's just fantastic I, in my opinion it's like it's influenced a lot of people's videos that we see coming out um, it's definitely exactly what I wanted in terms of a product and uh it got got me some of the best feedback i think and best positive attention and it was something that we did that nathan and i did that uh you know no one else had done before and i think that was that's a huge accomplishment i feel great about that one so it was also a defining moment and also a shout out to nathan for that but um nathan's just like you know been with me this entire trip uh and he is always motivating me by taking care of everything all the time like making sure that everything's done right and also always goes the extra mile never have to ask him to do something or to think about something he's always going that extra mile to make sure things are done correctly and that just gives me so much motivation to work hard myself so there's a huge reason i work hard today um huge part of my success and uh you know 
when I get to where I'm going, Nathan's going to be there and my whole team as well. Taylor um, was the person who took a, a, a passing comment that I made about how I want to do interviews as a viewer in my Twitch stream and then said, hey, I'll drive you out and literally drove from America to Canada to pick me up from Toronto to drive to Montreal to go do interviews. And just like that level of spontaneity and adventurousness and just like, fuck it, let's try it. Attitude is something that like has been defining for my career as well. And Nate, and he's still a part of the team and has a critical part in uh, not only merchandising and, and, and taking photos uh, for a boxer, but taking care of a lot of other stuff too. Um, Luke as well is someone I worked at with uh, at Yahoo, who was my guy at Yahoo, you know, made has made my life in California a lot better. So, you know, one of my best friends now. Um, he's got great ideas. He also works extremely hard. When we were at Yahoo, me and him could just go off and do our own thing. He would give me great ideas to make videos. He made my stay fantastic. He made my work better at Yahoo, made me look better. And I'm so like thankful to be working with them, with him and my whole team uh, moving forward. Just super talented people um, who have all like the best qualities you could ask for in people. So yeah, those are definitely the people. Um, at Nolan K, how do you prioritize first to market with quality? general question is another part of the question okay so how do you prioritize prioritize first to market with quality uh, you don't know exactly what this is in res uh, what in the, this is in what this is referring to whether it's like clothing or videos but this next part of this question is the video market is saturated with fortnite content but we have yet to see boxer fortnite content so i'm assuming he's going to be talking about videos here um i i mean the to do something first to market means you have to think about everything right like you just have to be very careful and you have to be able to shoot holes in everything in 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 your ideas and be very honest about it and every time you shoot a hole in it go ahead and fix that and that's how you make the best thing first it's not easy it's probably not going to happen but in general um you have to be very very honest about what is not good even if you if it's an inkling right like you you basically laziness is the only thing that's going to stop you um and a lack of critical thinking if you're just not capable of even seeing what's wrong with what you're doing but um i think if you on, on a side if you want to truly figure out what is bad about something something that you've done um and you want to ask somebody about it never front load the questions that you give to people with uh with rationalizations so um let's say i made a mouse pad and it's like oh it's a it's just like a qck mouse pad it's just a mouse pad right like i made it and i want to give it to somebody i'm gonna try to roll this analogy hopefully it works uh, i'm gonna give this to somebody who i believe will have good feedback and i'm not going to say I made this mouse pad. Here's why I did it. Um, and before you ask, uh, you know, it's like QCK, but it's really a little bit different because it's got our branding and, you know, there's actually like, you know, it's got um, stitched stitched, uh, stitched edges and it's a little bit better in this regard. And, you know, I know all your doubts. I'm going to go ahead and try to answer them before you ask. Don't, don't try to front load with that. Try to get the most honest feedback possible. And that means someone may be hearing something that you knew they were going to say, but just let them say it, you know, just let them be very, give you very honest feedback about 
your product or whatever it is and just let them just fucking shoot as many holes in it as possible um and just put it out there as if it was a mouse pad that you gave to someone to give to somebody else and that person just gave it to them didn't say a word to them just ask them what they thought you know like a real a real focus group type atmosphere is what you want to get the best feedback possible i think so um yeah you've just got to be very honest have critical thinking and get good feedback i think that rationalization can infect somebody's opinion to the point that they either don't want to hurt your feelings because they see that you're being a little bit defensive or they believe your rationalizations and then they don't give you feedback that could have been very important right don't want that um okay so the video market is saturated with Fortnite content. We have yet to see Fortnite content from Boxer. Are you waiting for the right time to have all the pieces or just not yet aligned? Uh, just, we're actually are planning to do Fortnite video in the next few days. We're gonna, I'm gonna get started, give it to Nathan. And we're gonna put it, put it on this channel. If you guys have any ideas for what we should do, go ahead and leave a comment. I'll definitely see it. Um, I realize the Fortnite content market is saturated you guys know that me and Nathan have talked about doing professional level content, TV level content. So we can do Fortnite content for, you know, as white label in the future, but we kind of need to show people that we can do it. Uh, and people who aren't familiar with our CS videos, maybe want to watch a Fortnite video, see that I've got like a good script and good voice. And Nathan's got great editing, editing skills and can do Fortnite. The product's good. People have good feedback, all that stuff. And um, I'm going to stop saying, and um, I just got to take a fucking break. Um. <clears throat> so, uh, uh, I just brain farted. So, we are gonna do one soon. Just thinking about what we can do. That's a smash hit. It's gonna go up on this channel. It feels like only CS:GO content is gonna be really hard to take over the line in terms of getting to 100,000 subs. So, I want to try doing Fortnite content. I'm just gonna. We're just gonna focus on it being good. You know, we. That's what we care about most. And we basically want it to be good enough that anybody who watches it would be impressed. That's it. Uh, the views and stuff like that's not a big deal uh, in the beginning. Um, if it starts to blow up on the channel, well, it'll obviously be great if it has a lot of views. If not, I'm sure we can use it to sell to other companies to use who have their own platforms or establish Fortnite outlets, media outlets, or whatever the, the case may be. It seems like a lot of white label stuff is in our future because uh, our channel is really not absorbing in terms of the viewership. Too easy for Pytro. With non-endemics, sponsors slash orcs throwing their hat in the ring more and more, what do you see as the next breakthrough moment that will continue to legitimize esports in the mainstream? I feel like esports is as mainstream as it needs to be. I guess a breakthrough moment might be for big sponsors and orcs Big sponsors in particular to understand that FPS titles are not about violence as they are as much about violence as they are about competition. And that's exactly what we have in common with sports. That is the reason that esports is big. It's not because of the, not necessarily because of the, the themes of the game, more so the fact that you're pitting real people against each other, right? That's the only, that's the main thing to focus on. And no, no one cares that Counter-Strike's about terrorists and counter-terrorists. No one, no one who has a good opinion cares about that. Um, it's, it's really just about offense and defense. It's really about strategy and tactics and aim and mechanics. And it's just 
like sports in that way and so you know understanding that that is what it is about and that you know video games don't cause violence um is going to be very important because all competition is violent in some sense like for the most part um with with high intensity sports at least you know not with something like chess but um there's always going to be these themes of like dominating you know destroying defeating owning like those are very aggressive and those are just themes of sports because it's, it's about winning right it's about winning which in some ways can get ugly in some sense but that is the humans are competitive and esports and sports are a super healthy outlet for competition so it's way better than then being violent you know, then being uh then trying to win in other ways that might actually you know really kill people in a sense really like hurt people really badly um winning winning the super bowl is is gonna be devastating for the other teammates feel like the end of the world but at the end of the day it's not the end of the world um and that's i think the very important part about sports is with sports you have sports and esports and stuff it's it gives people one of the only chances that they'll ever have in their life to scream at the top of their lungs and no one's going to think that they're being attacked by somebody you know you just get to let out all that energy as a fan and that's, a, that's an awesome part of life you don't really get that anywhere else apart from a sports stadium or esports stadium or from home watching one of these games that you really like or whatever the case may be or winning yourself so yeah that's going to be a breakthrough moment I think we'll see sports had the same problems back in the day. I mean, think about it before there was actual competitive sports, trying to convince somebody that they should be watching competitive sports. Like, why would you watch something that you can play? Sports were meant to be played. And now you have, um, now sports is huge. So it's just, it's the same shit, to be honest, different medium. In your opinion, star GG, what do teams lack for making a leap out of the lower tiers of ESEA to the pro level? I think starts that this is something it's kind of a little bit of everything where I think when you get into playoffs and open, I'd say that's when that's the mark that you're truly becoming like a decent player. You have some semblance of team play, you have aim, you know, grenades, you have tactics and some strategies. It's really just about sharpening from there, kind of everything, then maturing as a player and then working on, you know, your emotional capacity to deal with bad teammates or um, your own emotions if you're a bad teammate and then finding the right players and knowing what you need in a team and then having the confidence that a pro player has because that someone in open playoffs might not have uh, you've got to you definitely got to believe in your in yourself in your team in your system so I think it's a little bit of everything and definitely a lot of confidence um, but certainly one of the main differences from players at a major is like who is going to play well when the circumstances are the greatest. And that's the, the big thing about, uh, succeeding in terms of moving up and, and there's a lot of open heroes that you'd wonder why they aren't in premiere or, uh, in invite who are amazing pugs or whatever. And just because you're amazing pugs doesn't mean you're being amazing in matches, but you might, you might be amazing pug star and amazing in matches. Uh, you might be smart enough to that's totally happens all the time it's just like it's just like maybe you get land nervous who knows what the case may be but i think it definitely a big thing it's not actually the skill at that point 
or how good the team is at that point at the very highest level. It's just about how do you how well do you do under pressure, which comes with practice too. You know, the more practice you have, the more confident you be under pressure. So it's not just because just because you get nervous doesn't mean that that that'll be you forever. That can change. C.S. Bjorn asked, do you read it all? And if so, do you have any recommendations, fiction or nonfiction? Right now, I am reading a book called, I think it's A Stranger on my Kindle. It's a new uh, Stephen King novel. Um, I, okay, I'm not sure what it's called. Uh, I can't remember the name, but I think it might be The Stranger or The Strangler or something. It's about a crime. It's so far. It's it's kind of interesting. I, the reason I read it is because I wanted to. I like crime. I like realistic stuff, and I wanted to read something new. And I just see so many Stephen King novels all the time that I'm like, I'm. I should probably give one a shot. So I've. I think this is the first one that I'm going to commit to all the way through. Um, I know there's other really famous ones. This is a newer one. I was reading Dune a little bit, which is obviously a very famous science fiction. Science fiction series but um there's so many random words and, and it's a little bit older and stuff that it's been interesting but it's kind of hard to read so since i'm just kind of starting getting starting to get back into reading i don't want to overdo it i guess so i'm going to go with this kind of newer novel by stephen king and see how it goes besides that some good books i read fairly recently uh, the War of Art, which is about working hard as a creative and not just working when you want to work, but working to get a good work ethic, work ethic and then getting the creativity out there and the myths about create, being creative and stuff like that, which is a great read. I read Moonwalking with Einstein, which is a book about a guy who wants to report on a memory competition. It's about memory palaces. You guys should look that up if you haven't, and I won't get too much into it. And he uh, goes there to report on it, and they tell him, uh, you know, if I train you, you have an average memory. If I train you, I bet you can win. And then I think he enters the next year and actually does win. It's not really the point of the book, so sorry if that spoiled something. I can't remember if he said or not, but um, good book, really good book, very interesting. I read a book called Emotional Intelligence something, something. read a lot of self-help and stuff like that. But yeah, those are the few things that I've read recently. Brips asks, Fo frozen yogurt or ice cream? I'm a little bit lactose, not a lot lactose, but I can't really eat frozen or ice cream. Frozen yogurt, I think I can eat, but I'm not entirely sure if it's lactose or not. Like I've looked online, but I can't tell. I think dairy in general just makes me feel a little bit like slow and bloated. So I try to stay away from it. But I mean, ice cream, if I could. Like if I wasn't I lacked lactose at all, I'd probably eat ice cream every single day. Max OG twenty one oh nine. When is the new merch drop? Looking forward to buy all that good stuff. So this was actually a couple weeks ago. So we did drop something recently. The next one should be we're shooting for August first. We got really cool stuff coming out. We'll have two weeks notice. So there'll be a video on YouTube. There'll be um, stuff on Twitter. A lot of stuff like that. A lot more notice. At check some. Do you think CSGO has been dumbed down in the last year, or are these kids getting smarter? I think the kids are getting smarter. I think it's one common thing that we've talked about as analysts and players and stuff is just that like 
There's so many resources to learn and improve that you can get so much better than people could 10 years ago if you know where to look. Um, there's just an insane amount of resources out there from IGLs, from former IGLs, and really great quality, you know, well-said content online. And I think that everyone's also going up to the, you know, the the three to four to 5,000 hour mark. So the average level of player has improved drastically. And a lot of the casual population is kind of left for other games because the game's been out for so long, which is natural and normal. I mean, if you're casual, why would you just going to be, why, why would you be a hardcore casual, right? You're going to play a little bit, you're going to move on. So I think you've got a higher concentration of kids that are getting smarter. I don't know about dumb down. I'm actually not sure where that comes from. I don't think they've made the game any like easier or anything like that. Biggest Sticko fan. After the major, which teams do you think will make changes? I know it might be still early to call teams before a matter of days in regards to which teams, in your opinion, look like they're opposed to make changes at the major. I think you have MIBR, who I, I feel like I'm expecting Bolts to get cut. He's not the same player he used to be, in my opinion. I want to say communication is probably a big issue, but I really hope they stay with Stewie. I think his will to win is there. It's obvious. And I think he's been doing his part, playing his role. And I just, I don't know about Bolts. Not totally sure about Bolts. Not totally sold on Bolts. FaZe, probably. Croman uh, came in. He was great. Nico recently said they they got to find a permanent guy, though, even though he's been great. Uh, Cloud9, potentially. And as a big, from biggest Sticko fan, I have no idea what they'll stay with Sticko. I actually didn't get to watch the games at Cologne, so we'll see about that. But that's kind of, I guess, one team that's not totally solidified. You know, maybe Liquid, since Liquid make a lot of roster changes most of the time. Not sure who's orchestrating those, but they like making roster changes, so maybe Liquid are in the mix. If I think of any more, I'll tweet. I'll tweet at you. At Crackshots, yes. Ghost following the Zotac Cup. How good do we think they are? Uh, it was a smaller LAN. I know they beat like you know teams like Furia, who who played way above, and Sharks, who played I think maybe above their level. I don't know. I think Furia just got knocked out by Dignitas in the in the minor, uh, which is probably a little bit unexpected. Ghosts seem good. I mean, Steel's Steel's super good. He's super consistent. He's always good on LAN. He's IGLing. He's hitting shots. He's just great. Like he's just great great player. He's gonna be. He's going to be able to teach everyone on Ghost so much. I like that Poyo stuck with him. He was actually really good on land too. Wardell is hidden shots. I think Wardell is a little bit inconsistent, but from what I saw, it's just it's kind of insane. So I think uh, I'm always looking forward to their games. I think they can definitely get into a position where they can clean up at least somewhat with all the tournaments that aren't majors, probably perform some upsets. I don't know if they could be like a top five team in the world or something, you know, but they could... Punch way above their weight, I feel like, for sure. Looking forward to watching Ghost play. Wrapping up here. Bogswell, how much time do you allow teams to adjust after roster changes, and does it change depending on the team? This is an interesting one because I think allowing... uh, There's always a certain amount of time that's allotted to a team that's kind of expressed by an analyst as just like, hey, you know, they did okay at this tournament, but they've only been together for X amount of time. Or, wow, they've only been together for X amount of time, but wow, they just won this, right? Like like FaZe with Croman or uh, Big with Smuya, right? Like 
I don't know at this point how much time you can really say is like necessary to give a team. Like G2 had, with their last lineup, had everything they needed to win. They had a great team. They just couldn't do it. And it's like give them so much time and they just couldn't figure it out. So I don't know if, I think it's fair to say that like if a team's only been together for a month, they're not performing well, you would expect to give them a longer leash as a fan. But I don't I don't know how teams are figuring out how to play together so well so quickly. And if that's something that some teams might not just be able to do because of the personalities on the team or I have no idea. You know, that's that's just so on the outside in that regard, it's really hard to tell. But I think, you know, when I watch like MRBR play, for example, I it's like every tournament, it's like I kind of decide like, okay, was that good enough that they get an extra month to show that they still have a hope with this roster? Or, you know, how, how can I contextualize a loss to say, well, okay, they lost, but, you know, they just lost to Big who went on to make the finals or they lost this one map, but it was like they lost both pistols in a you know a couple of these rounds and and then when can you go okay they just played straight out bad and there's like a weird weird problems here i don't feel like they're gonna fix i don't know i think you got to go on your as a like on a on a on a case-by-case basis and then just kind of use your personal give your personal outlook on what you think uh, a team needs or how much team time a, a team needs or if they'll ever hit their stride so i think everybody watches different rounds in games no one watches every round because there's too much counter-strike and everyone's got a different idea like now, like I'll always, I'll always be a Stanislaw fan, even though people are like a lot of people are saying Stanislaw is um, not getting any better or is like not good anymore or whatever the case may be. I, you know, the some some things I've seen from Stanislaw is like I'll always be a Stanislaw fan, and everybody's got that. You know, like Moses has Kusta, uh, or uh, Thorin has existence. You know, or there's just everybody watches different rounds; they see different things. So I think you've got to just have your personal judgment. On how much time a team needs at gmd's dad thoughts on sticko to cloud nine what are sk's problem nowadays okay so thoughts on sticko to cloud nine i didn't get to watch cologne sorry I, I didn't get to watch c9 and cologne i watched the finals but i don't know actually i'll go back and watch those i might tweet you if i watch those what are sk's problems nowadays is it still communication mainly i think communication is definitely a big thing a lot of brazilian people have been talking about that uh, but I also think it's I also think Bolts is just not the player he used to be, but he has been playing like kind of well. It's tough. So tough. It's, it feels like you look at the team, you just want to point to Stewie just because like, OK, they're not winning. And Stewie's like, you know, uh, causing them all to have to speak in English. But I feel like Stewie's a great player for the team. I feel like he wants to win just as bad as they do. And he's smart enough to, to improve and everything. So. I don't know. I see the support there. I see the support there. And at last but not least, I dreamt about Nifty replacing Skadoodle last night. Is this a sign? I think that was a probably a conversation people had at a high level at some point. I don't... I, I always thought that they could kind of coexist because Skadoodle's rifles are really good and his clutching is really good and his nades are the best. So I think he's a really good player. I think he does a lot with some motivation. Um, as we can see, as we've seen, as a you know, major champion Skadoodle. We've definitely seen what he can do with a little bit of motivation. That really wasn't that long ago. So 
I always thought Nifty could join Cloud9, but uh, I don't necessarily want to break up the Renegades, but it's hard to say. If I was Cloud9, I'd probably be trying really hard to get Nifty. But if I was Renegades, I'd really want to keep Nifty. <laughs> so, okay, now let's move into the DMs. And this video is getting really long, but I came in through it super enthusiastic. We're up to an hour, boys. It's going to be a long upload. Okay, we've got uh, three questions from the DMs. Uh, hey, launders, I've got some questions for the next esports life. You don the first ones here are generally esports related, but not specific to CSGO or anything. How do you feel about the transition from being a player and a caster slash analyst? Does it sometimes feel uh, sometimes feel forced, or is it the next logical step for a retiring pro? I think it sometimes feels forced. Um, it's tough. I don't know. Like Sponge is just amazing on the desk. Like it's like you couldn't even tell he was ever a pro player because he was so he's just so good on the desk and is clearly his home now. Uh, Moses as well, but that comes with time, I guess. Um, everyone was rough around the edges at first, but like I don't know, Freiburg doesn't really seem that comfortable on the desk. I think Pimp is like getting there. I I, I can't speak for them though. I wasn't I wasn't great at first, and then I feel like I've improved a lot. So. I think it comes down to just kind of like how they feel, but I, I assume that that's like, you know, when life really hits them, it's like they're maybe done playing. Do they want to make sure they keep the door open to casting? Like it's not something they want. They would rather play. Obviously, everyone would rather play, but um, like especially if you're doing well. But is analysis a great way to make money to stay relevant to keep building the brand? Yeah, uh, if you don't really want to do it, would you still do it? Maybe. I think there's definitely people who just do it because they feel like they should, and then they'll like it later, um, which is good, you know, that's a sign of maturity, I think, and I can totally see why it would be appealing, but yeah, I think sometimes it feels forced. It might be just one of the options for a pro who's retiring to think about. If they look good, they have a good voice, they can explain themselves well, maybe they wanna think about getting on the desk, even if it's not normal for them. Also in general, life-related one, if you like it more, I often find myself theorizing about how to improve my life, but rarely acting on it. How do you deal with tough transitions and making moves to better your lifestyle and choices? I just take it one day at a time, you know? I think if you spend too much time thinking, the day's over, the next day starts and you don't feel any better. But if you make one small change that day and you keep that change up tomorrow, keep that change up for a week, add a small change in the next week, then suddenly you've got two changes. Suddenly the first thing's not that difficult. Suddenly you're making big changes and it doesn't even feel that hard. I don't think life is about like waiting, 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 and then just fucking up and changing everything and making it a huge deal and a really difficult and painful and uncomfortable transition. I think it's about planting the seeds in your mind, making small steps every day, and then suddenly realizing that you've made a change that's actually quite big over time and not realizing it. I think that's what it's about. I don't think life is meant to be that difficult um, in that in that regard. So just uh, just once in a while look back and say, hey, I think I wanted to do this last year. Hey, it's kind of interesting to think that if I started this last year, I'd be pretty good at it now. And use that not to be mean to yourself, but just to kind of gently remind yourself that like the next year's coming and a year from now is not that far away. And you could probably get a lot done in the year if you did it now. So just start somewhere, whether it's, you know, washing dishes or reading or cooking or getting exercise or getting better at Counter-Strike or another game or actually those are easy. No, hearts, the, the more boring stuff. Okay, next question. 
Jack, aka uh, Jux Four L. Is there such thing as part time work or apprenticeships in esports? I think there is, but at this point, I'm so past thinking about getting like a nine to five job in esports. Like I have such a different lifestyle. I think if I got it now, I'd probably look for internships or apprenticeships and part-time work. And I know people who have got them. So yeah, just keep your ear to the ground. There definitely are opportunities like that. I think there's websites that you can use. A little bit of Google searching will help you out. Um, but if you want to just get your boots in the ground in that regard, there's probably ways to do it. I think Machine was a mascot at ESL, handing out stuff in the stadium to fans. And now he's on the desk. So... There's always a way in. It's always a way in. Uh, okay, and last question here. At Shalabi211. Hey, Launders. Just wanted to let you know you've been one of my favorite characters in CSGO for the last year of me following competitive scene. I also wanted to ask about how you developed yourself. Was it your skilling game used to develop a foundation for your career in this field, or was it some source of your success for so far? Thanks for taking the time um, out of your day to reply if you do. Okay, how I develop myself, it's just like the last question, it's a little bit every day, right? Just playing a little bit of games or keeping your eyes open for opportunities. Like the fact that I dedicated like 30 to 40 days to get a bit better at Fortnite. And I found out I really like Fortnite. Now we can do Fortnite content because I'm good at the game. You know, I use that as like a little bit of an investment of my time. And, you know, we might get more involved with Fortnite esports and making Fortnite content. Um, so that's a big thing. So that's like a kind of a seed that I planted. And I think that's a lot of what I do is just trying something every few steps along the way to keep those doors open, staying somewhat fluid and just having fun. You know, if I was like getting bored of Counter-Strike, I went to play Fortnite. I did it because I wanted to. So I think if you look, look well enough, there's always going to be an opportunity where you can like do something you want to, that you take an interest in, that you can make something out of it. Uh, my skill in game. So... I think the skill I found when I first started making videos was that I was good at explaining things to people. I was good at putting myself in the shoes of a new player. That was a big thing, right? I was like, could explain movement, which is this intangible thing to somebody who is new to Counter-Strike, you know? Uh, and I think that that was the skill I recognized I had when I tried it. And I had the natural propensity to try to help people so that was another thing and then i used that to try doing video making which is like which was totally foreign to me so i found something that was like a deep-rooted part of myself which was wanting to help people and explain things to people and then use that to figure out everything else afterwards so it's taking i think it's something that's a deep-rooted trait in yourself and then the rest comes figuring yourself out i think helps a lot yeah and the success comes from, because it's so deeply rooted in who I am, it's something that I know that I'll be doing in a year, in two years, in three years, right? It's not something that I know is like a fleeting thing. Like it's not, I dedicate myself to Counter-Strike, exactly. I dedicated myself to explaining something to people, right? That's, that's a more properly, that's a, that's a much more deeply ingrained part of myself than the fact that I played Counter-Strike. Listening to yourself is a big thing for finding success, I think. I think down the line, figuring out what you, stuff like that. Yeah, I think it's really important. So looking back, actually, 
as opposed to forward what you should do next looking back at uh, uh what you're what you're good at and what you are naturally attracted to doing is big for being successful that's what i think all right that's it that's it we're at fucking hour and six minutes wow we pushed it today today i ran an extra mile for mark winter who did a half ironman 70 kilometers i think it's like a billion miles <laughs> roughly a uh, huge run it's like a two kilometer swim 70 kilometers 70 miles i don't know it was long dude I was like, all right, if you can do that, I can do an extra mile today. So I ran an extra mile today. So I was like, came in with a lot of energy into this vlog. I've gone longer than I thought we'd go. And I'll be back next week for a new one. Thanks again for watching. This video might be cut into three, uh, maybe four. I don't even know. It's a lot of content. But yeah, appreciate the questions. More questions, tweet at me. DM me. Let me know what you want the question to be, what you would like. And... Uh, the word of the day is remote. Thanks for sticking with me through this journey, this esports life.